This is the Biblical Unitarian Podcast. Welcome to the Biblical Unitarian Podcast, the podcast that aims to start conversations about the oneness and unity of God and about the humanity of Jesus. My name is Dustin Smith, and I will be your host. This episode 294, entitled The Lucan, Jesus' Use of I Am He. Now we're continuing this long study that is looking at this important phrase, I am he, which in Greek is ego and me, and in Hebrew it's ani hu. And we began by looking at all of the occurrences in which the God of Israel within the Hebrew Bible used this phrase, ani hu. And we indicated that when God was saying this, he was indicating that I, as a single undivided person, as one person, I am the true God, and I have no rivals alongside me. We also observed in that study that other human beings could also say the phrase, I am he, using the same Hebrew phrase, anihu, and in doing so, they are making a casual self-indicator by saying, I'm the person that you're talking about clearly in the context, and these individuals are not claiming to be the God of Israel. So we discerned that God can say, I am he, to indicate that I am the true God. But also other people could say the exact same phrase, either in Hebrew or in Aramaic or in Greek. And by that, they're not claiming to be the God of Israel. They're just making a casual self-reference. We saw evidence of this in the Hebrew Bible. We saw evidence of this in the rabbinic period. And Now we're working through the New Testament documents to see all of the occurrences in which Jesus says, I am he, which in Greek is egoimi, to see if Jesus is actually making a claim to be Yahweh, the only true God. We've worked through all of the passages in the Gospel of Mark, and last week we worked through all the passages in the Gospel of Matthew, and we concluded quite clearly, without any controversy, that Jesus, when he says, I am he, he is making a casual self-declaration. I am the person you're talking about in context, or I am the Messiah. I am the Son of God. He is not saying, I am Yahweh, the only true God. And we can be confident of this conclusion because those two Gospels regularly distinguish Jesus from the only true God. They're two distinct persons. They're two distinct beings. There's God and there's Jesus, and they're regularly distinguished and set apart. This week, we'll look at the Gospel of Luke to see what he has to say about the phrase, I am he. Now, the Gospel of Luke will actually portray Jesus saying the Greek phrase, egoimi, on two separate occasions, but also we're going to see two other subjects within the Gospel of Luke utter the phrase, Ego me. So the question we want to ask this week is, does Luke make the case that those who are saying the phrase, I am he, in Greek, ego me, are they actually claiming to be Yahweh, the only true God? Let's find out on this week's episode of the Biblical Unitarian Podcast. Our first point today is looking at God and Jesus according to the Gospel of Luke. So if we've already determined that God can say, I am he, and mean something completely different than other people saying, I am he, as a casual 
self-indicator, a casual self-reference, then we need to determine whether the Gospel of Luke is going to identify Jesus and God, or whether Luke is going to distinguish Jesus and God. This will help us understand whether Jesus is making a claim when he says, me," which he certainly does in the Gospel of Luke. So, just looking at a variety of passages, we can draw a few conclusions. Let's begin at the announcement of Jesus' birth. In Luke chapter 1, verse 32, the angel is talking about Jesus, and the angel says, He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. That's Luke 1, 32. The angel indicates that the Lord God will give to Jesus the throne of his ancestor David. This seems to clearly differentiate the Lord God and Jesus. And it also indicates that Jesus is a human being who is a biological descendant of David. So the two are distinguished. Looking in the next chapter after Jesus has been born, it says in Luke chapter 2, verse 26, that it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Luke 2, verse 26. So here, the Lord seems to be a reference to the Lord God, but the Lord has someone that belongs to him. We have the Lord's Christ. Christ belongs to the Lord, and Christ, of course, is the title for the one who is anointed. The Lord has someone belong to him, that is the Christ, and it's clear there that the two are distinguished. We have the Lord and his Christ, his anointed king. A few verses later, in verse 52, it says that Jesus kept increasing in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. Luke 2, verse 52. So Jesus was growing in wisdom. He was growing in stature. means he was learning. He was developing. And he was also growing in favor with God, clearly differentiating Jesus and God. God is someone distinguished from Jesus, and Jesus continues to grow and learn and gain wisdom. Hardly something you would say about the only true God who, by definition, is omniscient. In Luke chapter 4, verse 41, we have the testimony of the demons who seem to have supernatural knowledge of Jesus' identity as the Christ. So in Luke 4.41, it says that demons also were coming out of many, shouting, You are the Son of God. But rebuking them, he would not allow them to speak, because they knew him to be the Christ. Luke chapter 4, verse 41. So here we can see that Son of God, of course, is a title for the Christ. But the title Son of God indicates that he is someone distinguished from God. If you are the Son of God... And if God is a masculine figure, then that means that God is the Father and you are his Son. So Jesus is the Son, namely the Christ, the one who has been anointed. And God is his Father, the one who actually anointed Jesus. Clearly the two are distinguished. An interesting passage that appears in Matthew, Mark, and Luke talks about Jesus bearing the prerogatives of God to forgive sins. So in chapter 5, verse 21, we can begin reading, and it says that the scribes and the Pharisees began to reason, saying, 
Who is this man who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But Jesus, aware of their reasonings, answered and said to them, Why are you reasoning in your hearts? Which is easier to say, Your sins have been forgiven you, or to say, Get up and walk. But, so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, get up, pick up your stretcher, and go home. So that is Luke 5, verses 21 through 24. So the accusation is that only one person can forgive sins, God alone. That is only one person. Is Jesus responding by claiming to be that very person? No, he doesn't. He claims to be the Son of Man, which is the authorized human being who is the recipient of God's prerogatives, according to Daniel 7, 13-14. And then he openly states that the Son of Man possesses authority on earth to forgive sins, meaning that God has given that authority to the Son of Man. Clearly, God is distinguished from the Son of Man, and God has authorized the Son of Man to bear the prerogatives of God, specifically here, the prerogative to forgive sins. So Jesus is distinguished again from God. In chapter 6, verse 12, it says that it was at this time that Jesus went off to the mountain to pray, and he spent the whole night in prayer to God. Chapter 6, verse 12. Now The Greek is a little more specific here. It says that he spent the whole night in prayer to the God, to Theu. Luke is indicating that the person to whom Jesus is praying is the God. And this, of course, distinguishes Jesus from the God in this passage. That is quite obvious. Jesus prays to God. People are not praying to him. In chapter 8, verse 28, we have more confession from the demonized. It says, What business do we have with each other, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beg you, do not torment me. That's chapter 8, verse 28. Here we can see the supernatural understanding that the demons possess. They regard Jesus as the Son of the Most High God. Clearly, the Most High God is someone distinguished from Jesus. Jesus is the Son. The Most High God is the Father. But Jesus is not the Most High God. He is the Most High God's Son, meaning he is the Christ, the Messiah. Chapter 9, verse 20, we have a little bit more of the same in regard to the Messianic Confession. Jesus asked his disciples, who do you say that I am? And Peter answered and said, the Christ of God. Luke 9, verse 20. So it's not just that Jesus is the Christ. It's not just that he is the anointed one. He is God's Christ. He is the Christ of God. And this is a title that distinguishes Jesus from God. Now we have this particular question that's asked to Jesus in Matthew and Mark and Luke, namely, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And in Luke 18, verse 19, Jesus responds by saying, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. Chapter 18, verse 19. So Jesus here is denying that he is that good person. He is denying that he is the good God, only one person is good at the level of God, and he defines that God as one person. In Greek, it's is o theos, 
one person, namely the God, the God who is one person. Not two persons, not three persons, but whoever God is, Jesus is distinguishing himself from that one God. And that much has been quite obvious as we've been reading through the Gospel of Luke. At the time of Jesus' crucifixion, we had the people making these suggestions to Jesus. They stood by looking on, and the rulers were sneering at Jesus, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself, if this is the Christ of God, his chosen one. That's Luke 23, verse 35. And so it indicates the claim that Jesus was making. He was claiming to be the Christ of God. He was God's Christ. And notice how the claim is further defined as his chosen one, as in the one whom God has chosen. Again, clearly distinguishing the one who chooses and the one who is chosen. They are not one and the same. They have not been collapsed into a single being. And then after Jesus dies, we have the confession of the centurion. So we have in 23 verse 46, Jesus crying out with a loud voice saying, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Having said this, he breathed his last. That means he died. Now the passage goes on and it says, Now when the centurion saw what had happened, he began praising God, saying, Certainly this man was innocent. That's Luke 23, verses 46 to 47. So after Jesus died, we have a centurion praising God. In Greek, it's tontheon. He was praising the God. And in doing so, he was saying that this man, this anthropos in Greek, this human being, the one that just died, was innocent. So the centurion acknowledges that there is one God, the God, and Jesus is someone distinct from that one God, and he calls Jesus a human being, a man, a member of the human race who just died. So the self-evident testimony of the Gospel of Luke is that God and Jesus are distinguished. So it would be a little strange and a little odd if Jesus, who is making the claim, egoimi, would be claiming to be the one true God. Because again, to say ego me is to be making a claim about one person. Ego is the first person pronoun, and me is the first person singular of the verb to be. Whoever is saying I am he is only one person. That person seems to be God, and Jesus is distinguished from that God. So it's likely that when Jesus is making the claim, he is instead making a casual self-reference. But we can't conclude this unless we look at all the evidence first. But that's the suggestion we would have by reading what seems to be the obvious self-evident conclusion, namely that the Gospel of Luke regularly distinguishes God and Jesus. Let's move to our second point. Luke's use of the self-declaration, I am he. So we've got four primary passages. The first one is not actually Jesus saying the phrase, it's actually the angel Gabriel. So in Luke 1, 19, it says that the angel answered and said to him, I am Gabriel, who stands in the presence of God, and I have been sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. Luke chapter 1, verse 19. So in Greek here, we have ego imi gabriel. 
This is I am, with the predicate, explicitly stated, Gabriel. I am Gabriel. Why is he stressing this particular point? Well, he just appeared, and nobody knows who he is, and so he identifies himself to the one who is present. Gabriel here is obviously not claiming to be Yahweh. He actually distinguishes himself from the true God. He says, I am Gabriel who stands in the presence of God. Gabriel is making a casual self-reference. He is indicating to those that I am, namely the person who I am claiming to be, Gabriel. And he includes in this self-declaration his own name. The next passage we'll look at is in Luke 21, verse 8. This is the second occurrence of the phrase egoimi. So this is Jesus in the week before he dies, and he is talking to his disciples about the destruction of the temple and the time associated with that. So Jesus said, See to it that you are not misled, for many will come in my name, saying, I am he, and the time is near. Do not go after them. That's Luke 21, verse 8. So as we've seen in Matthew and Mark, Luke also records the fact that Jesus is aware that there are going to be many misleading and false prophets coming in his name, claiming to be, I am he. I am the person that Jesus has been identified as within the narrative, namely the Christ, the Son of God. So messianic pretenders are going to show up claiming, I am he. They're not claiming to be Yahweh. They're claiming to be false messiahs. And we know this because we can look at history. We can look at the testimony from Josephus where he indicates several messianic pretenders that appeared around the time of the destruction of the temple. Not a single one of those persons was claiming to be the God of Israel. They didn't claim to be Yahweh. They didn't claim to be the Father. They claimed and acted in ways that indicated a suggestion that they were the Messiah, and they drew many followers after them, tens of thousands of followers in some instances. The claim, I am he, does not mean here, I am Yahweh. That's not what they're claiming. They're claiming, I am the Messiah. And Jesus says that their claim is false. Do not be misled. Do not go after them. So we've got two subjects so far claiming egoimi. But what about Jesus? Well, the third reference actually has Jesus making the claim. So in chapter 22, verse 70, this is at the trial of Jesus. And Luke's version is really fascinating when you compare it to Matthew and Mark. So in Luke 22, verse 70, the accusers surrounding Jesus, the Sanhedrin, the priest, the high priest, they all said, are you the son of God then? And he said to them, yes, I am he. That's Luke 22, verse 70. Now, this particular translation is actually not rendering the Greek as accurately as it could. So in the Greek, we have imis, layete, oti, ego, imi. Jesus is actually saying, you say that I am he. That's interesting. The question that they asked him was, are you the son of God then? And Jesus said, you say that I am he. 
Jesus is responding to them by indicating that they are actually claiming that Jesus is the person that they are asking about. They asked, are you the Son of God? And Jesus says, you say that I am he. He's using egoimi, I am he, as a casual self-indicator, identifying himself with the person that's being asked about clearly in the context. And the context there clearly is asking whether Jesus is the Son of God. And he says that you say that I am he. They were not saying, are you God? Are you Yahweh? Are you the Lord God? They're asking, are you the Son of God? They're asking, are you claiming to be the Messiah? And Jesus says, you say that I am he. So there's a little bit more nuance in the Greek than actually gets brought out, at least in my translation, the New American Standard Version. Now, after the resurrection of Jesus, Jesus has to appear to his disciples and prove to them that the guy that just died a gruesome death a few days ago actually is alive and well. And so we have an interesting account where that takes place. This account only appears in the Gospel of Luke. So in chapter 24, verse 36, we can begin reading, and it says, While they were telling these things, he himself, Jesus, stood in their midst and said to them, Peace be with you. But they were startled and frightened and thought that they were seeing a spirit. And he said to them, Why are you troubled and why do doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands and my feet, and that it is I myself. Touch me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. That's Luke 24, verses 36 through 39. So Jesus appears. They think they're seeing a spirit. Jesus corrects them, and he says, Look, see my hands, see my feet, touch me, and see that I am he. In Greek, it's a little more explicit. We have egoimi plus the optos plus the pronoun. I am he for emphasis. I am he. I am the person that you all remember from a few days ago that just was crucified and died. I told you that I'm going to rise from the dead. Here I am. You can see. So he's using this with the emphatic pronouns. In fact, we have three individual singular pronouns here. I am he. In order to point out that Jesus is the person that they are thinking that he might be. They can't believe it initially, but he's saying, look, it is I. He's not claiming to be Yahweh himself. So in conclusion, we've observed that the Gospel of Luke regularly distinguishes and differentiates the God of Israel and Jesus, the Son of God. And Luke indicates that God is one person and that Jesus is a human being on multiple occasions. We also observe that those who say, Egoimi, I am he, in the Gospel of Luke, include three different subjects. First, we have the angel Gabriel, who identifies himself by saying, I am Gabriel, using Egoimi to draw attention to the self-declaration that includes the introduction of his name, because Gabriel is identifying himself. Now, the second subject is an unnamed plural subject, the plural prophets, 
that are going to claim to be the Messiah. Many will come in my name, Jesus warns, saying, I am he, saying, Ego in me. These false prophets are claiming to be the Messiah. When they say, Ego in me, they're not claiming to be Yahweh, the only true God. Now at Jesus' trial, he interprets the question asked of him, whether he is the Son of God, as an intuitive admission of who he actually is. And Jesus responds to his accusers by admitting that they have said that I am he, namely, I am the Son of God that you just asked me about. In this manner, Ego in me functions as a casual self-reference that answers the particular question in the immediate context. Jesus also utters the phrase Ego in me with the predicate pronoun, I am he, particularly when he appears before his disciples after the resurrection. They thought he was a spirit, so he stresses that I am he, the person who just died a few days ago. Yes, it is me. I am alive. Again, Egoimi is functioning out of the mouth of Jesus as a casual self-reference. There is no suggestion, no hint, and no statement indicating that any of the persons in the Gospel of Luke who uttered the phrase, I am he, are claiming to be Yahweh, the one true God of Israel. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. Join us next week as we begin exploring the I am he passages in the Gospel of John. We'll start working through every single passage in the Gospel of John in order to be completely thorough we need to understand whether the Gospel of John, by having Jesus say, Egoimi, is claiming to be Yahweh, the only true God. Please look forward to our next episode. If you enjoy our podcast, please consider supporting us as we promote the sound, non-negotiable truths about the oneness and unity of God and the humanity of Jesus. You can support us for free by subscribing on YouTube or iTunes, by giving us an honest review on iTunes, and by sharing your favorite episodes with your friends. If you'd like to offer a donation, please check out the episode description for a PayPal link. The Biblical Unitarian Podcast is produced and edited by Dustin Williams. I am Dustin Smith, your host. Until next time, please take care.